I'm Nathan Ashman, teacher, parent and now podcaster. Welcome to My Students Have Taught Me. Each week we're going to take a brief look at your teen trending topic to understand what it is, why it's popular with teens, why it might have concern as parents and teachers and what impact it might have on society moving forward. This week's My Students Have Taught Me about doom scrolling. 2020 word of the year, doom scrolling, a thirst for fear. The pursuit of never-ending news, with an infinite scroll of marginalised views. Algorithms boxing us in, as the taps and the likes send us into a spin. How can we break from the flick of a thumb, as our screen time makes hundreds and thousands for some? Now, today I have with me actually an ex-student, the first time on this podcast my students have taught me, I've actually got an ex-student on to teach me something. So we have Kelsey here today. Hello. Hello, who is an ex-media studies student of mine and is now doing media. We're doing filmmaking at UConn in Preston, is that right? Yep, filmmaking. But recently, quite a few awards that you've won. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I've won um, an award for a photography project I did of The Knife Angel, which was exhibited in Blackburn a while ago. Um, we were, it, was, it was a statue that was made out of knives that had been handed into the police mm-hmm. to spread awareness about knife crime. And I took a picture of it and I, I won the competition for the photo and I was really proud of myself for that. Um, I've also won a community volunteer award for my volunteering in youth clubs and teaching people about different educational topics and doing arts and crafts activities with young people to help with their mental health and things like that. And then I've also worked on writing the script, voicing and singing for a knife crime animation that is going to be shown in schools. Wow, amazing. So really good community projects where you've given something back. Yeah, I think community projects are like really important to me and finding things that help people and kind of spread positivity. Wonderful. And the subject matter for this podcast is what's actually your idea. So doom scrolling. Kelsey, what on earth is doom scrolling? Let us know. The best way I could describe doom scrolling is when you're going through social media and it feels like you can't stop and you're stuck in a cycle. Right. And and is that doom scrolling? Is it called doom scrolling because you're in that cycle and you can't get out of it and you've gone down a rabbit hole where you didn't know you're going to get to? Or is it called doom scrolling because you're looking for bad news? It could be a bit of both because I feel like it's this feeling of impending doom when you're scrolling, which is where the name seems to come from. Right. But also... When you're on social media for that long, you tend to gravitate towards negativity in a way. Yeah, I get you. I've done a little bit of reading on this one, and a lot of people talk about it being the fact that you, you then go down looking for bad news. And not just that, you you get sort of such a negative impression of the world because you're on one thing, you start scrolling, you come across some news, um, it then leads you on to another news story, another news story, and then you, you then have that infinite scroll, but you're looking for facts you're looking to try and find out exactly what's going on because whatever you've read has caused you some sort of anxiety and you're trying to seek the truth but it's probably the wrong place to seek the truth isn't it because it's the internet yeah especially on like platforms like tiktok where it's young people and they're being introduced to these news that are like very biased yep and they don't realize that it's not true or they might 
see some truth in it and then research it more and find that they're going down the same path of a very biased view of the situation. Like you could see that with Andrew Tate, for example, yeah. where people were like following this mindset because of how much they were seeing how it was going. Yeah, and I guess with that, in terms of doom scrolling, if you're scrolling the same thing and the same content keeps coming up on your feed, that's when it can be really dangerous. So I've talked about algorithms before on on, their, on this podcast and the way that you've basically just been fed back stuff that you like, stuff that you kind of hovered over and it, it puts you in this sort of like world where all you're seeing is, is the same stuff. It's sort of reinforcing your ideas, reinforcing this negativity perhaps or this one view and you can't get out of it because that's on your For You page. Definitely. And until you then go and like something else or decide that you're going to get away from that, it's just going to keep coming, which I think is really, really, really difficult and really um, very, very dangerous. I've noticed particularly with issues like mental health on TikTok, um, if you get, for example, one TikTok on your feed that is about mental health and you interact with that, you just get more and more and they become more negative. And I think that's affecting a lot of young people's mental health at the moment because it seems like everyone in the world is struggling when in reality, if you manage to get out of that algorithm and saw other people in the world, you would realise that the world's not all doom and gloom. Absolutely. And do you think that being in a, a pandemic recently has made that worse? Definitely, because of the amount of screen time increasing with the amount of people who were stuck at home needing an escape. I think that's another thing. A lot of people use social media to escape from reality, but it's becoming more dangerous all the time. Yeah, I've read got some facts actually about the amount of screen time being used. So according to one poll anyway, there's a 49% increase in people's average screen time during lockdown, which is massive, isn't it? Massive. Dangerous as well because you're seeing sort of, I guess, a certain worldview perhaps, not seeing any other alternatives. But then also, there's an average of three hours a day for Brits just spent scrolling through information, which is 46 days of the year just scrolling through endless nonsense. I mean, when I go onto like an app, let's say like uh, Instagram, Instagram Reels, for instance, and there's a funny video, and there's another funny video, and before you know it, you've spent 20 minutes watching funny videos. I think that's quite harmless, perhaps. I probably could be doing better things in my time than watching silly videos. <laughs> um, but it could be quite dangerous if the content that you're looking at is something a bit more, I don't know, a bit more sinister, I guess. Definitely. Have you got any experiences of, of sort of doom scrolling that you know of or where people have got themselves into bother? Um, I've definitely noticed with young people, it's mental health that's the biggest issue of doom scrolling, whereas with like more adults, it's more like news, yeah. things like that. It's different for each generation. But there's been quite a few like friends and stuff that they seem to have been getting better and like helping their mental health. And then suddenly they're spending more time on the phone and they're getting these mindsets of like, I should stay in, I should not do anything. And there was a TikTok trend sort of thing. Um, I think it was a few a few months ago, maybe a year ago, where there was te there was people teaching young people how to run away from home and stuff like that. Right. It was awful. But if you're getting that stuff and you're seeing that every day, saying how to run away from home, how to um, how to run away from your friends, things like that, um, you're not gonna 
you, it's going to get into your subconscious and you're going to start following those things without even realising it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as, as an adult mind, obviously I can, with a bit, little bit more wisdom perhaps than the students at my school, I can perhaps look past some of those things. Whereas if you're, let's say, a 13, 14, 15 year old and you're sat in your room for a long period of time and all you're seeing is stuff saying, um, maybe reinforcing the way that you're feeling or you're looking somewhere for help actually is not helping you, it's hindering you, then it's going to get a heck of a lot worse, isn't it? Definitely. Now, the reason why um, I set this podcast essentially is because this is before lockdown. Um, a parent said to me, oh, um, my, my daughter's in the room all the time looking at social media. I have no idea what she's on. Um, but then there was some information out there about what kids are getting up to and what these trends mean. And that's kind of where this podcast was birthed from. I think it's really important for parents to understand what their kids are up to and what the kids are into. And also how to speak to their children about those things as well. Now, for someone a bit younger than me, <laughs> um, what would you suggest to parents about how on earth are they going to speak to their children about the social media that they're on? That's a quite a difficult one because I feel like for a lot of young people, they use social media as like their private space. And I think if you were to completely ban them from social media, I think that would do a lot more damage because of um, how like peer-based it is and... It's like every young person seems to have a lot of social media and things. So if you are taking that away from your young from your if you're taking that away from your child then they'll probably get it in secret or something. So I don't think you should like ban a child completely from it. But I think maybe watch over them when they're on it, remind them of other activities that they can do instead of using social media. Maybe help them plan times to meet their friends or something like that so that they're just not always in the room. Like, find other things for them to do. But also, don't completely restrict them, because that could cause more harm than good. Is there a compromise in there somewhere about sort of like reducing the amount of time they might have access to a phone or reducing the amount of time they have access to a certain application? There is some apps that you can use on different phones where you can restrict the amount of time that an app is open for, but I think you should have a discussion with your child about that instead of just doing it without the permission sort of thing. But have a discussion about how it's harmful, um, but try not to be too negative about it because then they just they might have the mindset of, I don't agree with this, I'm going to rebel against it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We try to sort of educate students in school about it in things like PSHE. And there's this guy called Azer Askin. He came up with the infinite scroll feature. And he now massively regrets it and has apologised for creating that feature. So in one of his uh, in one of his tweets he's written, one of my lessons from infinite scroll, that optimising something for ease of use does not mean best for the user or humanity. And he's now created a company called the Centre for Humane Technology. And he completely regrets what he's done. I think that the social media companies themselves have a real responsibility. Definitely. They have, um, on TikTok, they have used, um, now put warnings on every 10 minutes All right. um, to let you know how long you've been on and you can either click, I think you can click snooze or you can click um, OK. So if you click OK, it'll just carry on. But if you click snooze, it'll let you know in another five or 10 minutes how long you've been scrolling for and might that pop-up remind you wow i've been on here for a while i might go do something else and then they also have like 
um, while you're actually scrolling, they have like an ad break that tells you you've been on too long sort of thing as well. So I think they're trying to do something about it, but I find that they're quite ineffective. That's good. That's something, isn't it? It might just remind you a little bit. If you can just click off it, then it doesn't really help, does it? It's like, actually, now I'm just going to carry on scrolling through wherever I was scrolling through. But realistically, because it's a company, they're not going to want it to be effective. They're doing it to get people's attention and be like, oh, we're doing something to help people. But they need people to keep scrolling so they can get more money. Yeah. So there's... Yeah, they've got no motivation, really, for you to stop scrolling, have they? They don't benefit from you stop scrolling, so they're not going to do anything about it. Not really, no. No, because the more you're scrolling, the more you're on their platform. And also, the more data as well they can kind of mine from you as well, I guess. Yeah. But I guess young people have no idea what that, that's what it's all about, is it really? That every sort of click, every like, every time you're scrolling down, that someone's getting some money out of you and actually is monetizing even the 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 data they're gleaning from you as you're doing it, yeah. which you have no idea about at all. I think that the um, social media companies should take on much more responsibility um, for the sort of the effect they're having on young people, especially things to do with anxiety, like you mentioned before, um, because it can have such a massive effect on people, and and especially after lockdown, people not wanting to go out, wanting to sort of be a bit of a recluse and have the comfort of a, of a mobile phone, but they're not necessarily doing anything about it. Do you know of any way social media companies are trying to help people with their anxiety? Um, I know that if you search certain issues like depression, anxiety into like the search functions of like TikTok or Twitter or Facebook, um, they usually come up with like a resources page of like how you can access support. But it's usually like helplines for if you're struggling severely, sort of thing. But I think that's a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, but if you've got people posting videos where they're saying like, this is how you run away from home or this is how I control what I eat or this is how I can relieve sort of anxiety and tension and people have sort of been drawn to like suicide videos and things, I think surely those those videos should be taken down. Definitely, but because of how TikTok works, every video that's posted is posted immediately. It doesn't go through a cycle to make sure it's appropriate. No, no regulation. But there is some regulation, but it tends to be broken. It it tries to get rid of videos that aren't even inappropriate and lets inappropriate videos slip through. The videos like what what I eat in a day and stuff like that, they tend to promote eating disorder behaviour, but a lot of them are still kept up because TikTok can't differentiate within whether it's harmful or not because they're not actively watching all the videos. And some, some of the videos are helpful for people who are like, healthy eating and things like that but then other ones you'll see like they're not having enough intake and a, someone who watches that and doesn't know enough about nutrition and things like that will think oh i'm gonna follow this diet and realistically it's not helpful at all and then if i guess if a parent looks over and glances at a video that their child's watching oh they're just watching what someone's eating in a day might not necessarily realize that that in fact it's really harmful because it's telling them to do things they shouldn't be doing and to control the weight, and especially as a young, young person growing up who actually you need to make sure you keep getting plenty of calories because you're growing, you need, you need that in your diet. Yeah, there was actually some quite worrying videos that my younger sister, my younger sister's 13 years old, um, she was showing me on her profile and there was these things that were like, it was a picture of a cartoon character like Hello Kitty or Coraline or something like that and it would say Hello Kitty diet, Coraline diet 
and it will say day one, 300 calories. An average person needs about 2,000 calories mm -hmm. to just survive in a day. So for it to say 300 calories, 800 calories, that is so dangerous. And people in the comments were saying, I'm eight years old, I've done this today. I'm 13 years old and I've lost this much weight with this. And it's just so worrying yeah. to see that these aren't being taken down. I find that really worrying. And I always say to parents, like things like parents' evening, talk to your kids about what they're looking at. But also go on their For You page because that will tell you everything you need to know. The For You page is there because that's the videos that, they, that the algorithms think that you like and that you clicked on before and that you looked at before. And it's suggested for you based on what you've already looked at. So that will tell you everything about yourself. And I say to kids at school, like, your For You page, if I went on your For You page now, what would it tell me about you? Yeah, and you can also go onto someone's profile and uh, only on your own, they're private to you. So you can't go onto someone else's profile and see what they've liked. But if you go onto the profile section and then you go into the one that's like the heart, you click on that and you can see all the videos that the person has liked on their account. So that could also be helpful for parents if they wanted to check what the child actually watched, not what's on the algorithm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Now, in the year 2020, doom scrolling was actually um, word of the year by the English Dictionary, which I quite, find quite interesting, especially because of lockdown. But that was really about looking at bad news. So your worldview changes and your, your view of the world changes and you're noticed as a media student yeah. because of the news that you look at. So if you're looking at bad news, fake news, <laughs> negative news, that then changes your psyche, doesn't it? Where do you find your news from? I try to avoid the news the best I can at the moment okay. because of it gets you in a really bad headspace if you're just always interacting with news because of like they never really have good news no. on like even on TV they never really have good news it's always bad news so I've tried to avoid it the best I can but sometimes something will come up on like social media and I'll be like I don't want to interact with that I'm gonna go to a more reputable source like a news website yeah so I usually look at like BBC or like a newspaper website and things like that. That's probably because of your great media studies teaching um, over the years by your wonderful media studies teacher. <laughs> I think it is really important for young people to become more media literate because I'm really happy with how I've learned from you. Thanks. Um, about how to be media literate and how to make sure that you're checking the sources of the information that you're being fed and to have less of it be like a subconscious thing that you just gain and make a more conscious effort to understand what's going on in the world around you but a lot of people don't have those skills and that's really worrying because they're the people who are perpetuating these fake news and negative news yeah. it's so worrying that a lot of people don't even know that what they're doing now, it's so easy with the share feature on social media. It's so easy, easy to sort of learn something, not even try and examine where it's come from, and then just share it. And then before you know, loads of other people have seen the same information, and it's gone viral, or whatever it might be. Um, I find that really, really worrying. And I think it's important to try and educate people, like you say, that not taking to face value, but also to check the source of information. But I also think as well, like if I look at one news paper or one news channel they also will have an agenda and also have a certain bias as well towards certain things 
especially if they've got any sort of like political agenda like the American news channels, it's always then good to look at your balanced view and try and find sort of both sides and make your own mind up if you can. Yeah. Um, but not as easy to do on social media as it is to do with sort of like um, watching the news on TV, I guess. Definitely not. And I, I've noticed a lot that a lot of news that's on social media pushed by individuals is very, very biased in different perspectives. So if you're, if you, if you, if you were like quite a political person and you tend to be more left-leaning, you will get all left-leaning news. But if you're more right-wing, then you'll get more right-wing news and you won't, it's just an echo chamber again. You won't get anything balanced of what you actually want to know. It's all one-sided. Absolutely. Coming around to wrap things up a little bit, I want to learn a bit more about you as a young person because I'm a lot older than you. And this podcast really is all about learning um, about what students are into. You're a mature young person. How do you think that social media has shaped your your life as, a, as an 18-year-old? I think social media has been a big part of my life because I was probably about 10 years old when I got Facebook for the first time. And that at first, social media was really good. You could just speak to your friend. Like I'd had my friends on Facebook and MSN and stuff like that and uh, play the Facebook games and talk to my family. Um, but then I started making videos and posting them on there and that was like the thing that I enjoyed doing. And as I got older, I found out that people could start making money off of making YouTube videos or social media videos. So I was like, I'm gonna do that. And it stressed me out a lot because I don't know how to do any of that, but it was it was a passion project more than anything. Didn't go very far, but it gave me a lot of understanding into like filmmaking and stuff like that. Um, which social media helped me a lot with that as well because it's good for finding niches of like different interests. And I've participated in a lot of fandom culture when I was younger as well. Like I was in the Harry Potter fandom, Dan and Phil, which were YouTubers who were popular and things like that. I was that you could find people that you connected with even if in real life you didn't really have anyone to connect with and a lot of my friends have online friends that they met when they were young on social media even though it was like never talk to strangers on the internet but they're really close friends with them now and that's really interesting because it's like something that you get told not allowed to do but it's the closest people in your life but it's very like it's very 50 50 because a lot of my friends have struggled with like online grooming and stuff because of interacting with people in fandoms and things like that yeah so social media is just a bit everything it's everything good it's everything bad but i think it's important and it's been a big part of my life so i think it's good but also there can be there can be bad things about it sometimes could you live without it probably not <laughs> I, I plan most things on social media like messaging apps and things like that like Anytime I'm meeting with my friends, I don't just text them or call them. I have to like Snapchat them or something like that because that's just the way everyone communicates. We don't even communicate in full sentences at no. this point. <laughs> um, I don't think I could ever survive in the letter writing days where you had to write a letter to someone to tell them if you wanted to meet or something. I, no. I don't think I could. I'm too impatient, but I think everyone is nowadays. So when I was your age, we'd kind of like pick up the phone and say, right, I'll meet you um, by the bus stop at three o'clock and then just trust that you'll be there. You wouldn't sort of track anyone's location on Snapchat or anything like that. 
I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I, I do not have the time management skills to tell someone I'll be there at a time and be there at that time, most of the time. So wrapping this up then, have you got any advice for parents, teachers, about talking to young people about doom scrolling? I would say try to be more understanding rather than critiquing what your child's doing to support them instead of berate them, basically. Yeah, brilliant. I think we've had a very similar message in other podcasts about social media. It's about helping to build that relationship because if you just then demonise something, it can then damage a relationship. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It was nice being here. Well, that was really great to hear from one of my students today. If there's a topic that you think I should cover in this podcast that teens are into and that parents and teachers can learn from, please do let me know. The best way is on Twitter. At Nathan Ashman is my Twitter handle. Please tune in next time. I know I keep saying I'm going to do one on Andrew Tate, and I will. That's coming soon, hopefully. And also, I want to do one on racial slurs, which will be coming very soon too. So, please keep tuning in. Follow, review, share, all that kind of stuff on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to this on. Thanks for the feedback, folks. Bye.